Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Hallelujah. Let's, um, I was going to pray again, but y'all sat there. So just stay seated and we're going to pray. Because let me tell you something, if, if the Holy Spirit's not involved in the message, it's just good information. So we're going to put the Holy Spirit on it and we're going to change a life. Anybody agree with that? All right, put your other hand up, and we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your attributes, God. We thank you for what we've been learning this past five weeks. Uh, thank you for this word today, Lord, that it hits the hearts of your faithful, your believers in this house. And Father, we thank you that your spirit is in this house teaching us and showing us. And Father, bless those who are listening, and bless those who are going to put the work today these attributes in their life. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Okay, we're going to finish this series today. This is week five, and we've been talking about God is, okay? God is. Hebrews eleven six is our text scripture, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you better get some faith, amen? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and in your case, as you're sitting in these seats today, God is what? Cricket, cricket, cricket. This is the problem, right? We have to understand who God is to be able to have a relationship with him. How am I supposed to have an intimate relationship with my wife if I don't know who she is? Most of the church today has no idea who God is. That's why you're glad you've been here for five weeks. And if you haven't, you can go back on YouTube and watch it. Because we have been studying the attributes of God. So in our case, okay, God is what? God is, in this case, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For our case, God is good. God is justice. God is merciful. God is omniscient, all-knowing, right? These are all things that we talked about in the last five weeks. God is omnipotent, right? He's everywhere. God is or omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is sovereign, right? He is mighty. He is the creator, and he is still creating today. Amen? Uh, we looked last week that God is gracious, it's God's grace that we're going to start that series in the second week of January. We're going to spend six weeks talking about God's grace, and we're going to get into Romans. We're going to talk a little bit about Romans today, but you can really fit that all into one message, that God's grace is what carries us as Christians on this earth, right? You have been forgiven. I love the worship set today. It's all about Jesus, and he is a miracle worker, but if you don't understand grace, none of that's going to work in your life. You're going to be like, what just happened? I don't know. Nothing. That's why. Don't understand grace, right? So what we believe affects the way we live. 
and that is by your education, your past, your family, whether you were raised with parents or monkeys, it doesn't matter. All that determines how you think about God and who he is. So we're trying to change that thinking. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's going to freak you out, so get ready. Uh, I was sitting in an office a while back, actually it was about 10 years ago, and this has always bugged me, so I studied it out. And I think I, I, I was telling Michelle last night, I can't find, because I wrote a bunch about this once, I can't find it, because I'm well organized, right? But it was, I was sitting in this office, and this, this guy had a, a plaque on his desk, and it said, God is in control. And I was like, mm, yeah, let's talk about that. God is in control. Anybody ever heard that? Uh, and I looked at him and I said, well, let me tell you something. If God is in control, I want to file a complaint <laughs> because things are pretty bad. Things are pretty messed up. There's, there's abuses and, you know, this thing going on in the earth. If God's in control of all of this, I want to file a complaint because this is not what the way I see God. It was because we looked at week one, God is good. How can God be good? If all this stuff is going on, sex slavery and drug abuse and death and killing and murder and riots and fires, mudslides, everything. How is God good and all this is going on? So we had talked about that and, and uh, he was trying to explain to me and I was like, how can God be in control? Right? And, and we looked about, uh, just spent four weeks, five weeks looking at who God is. How can God be controlling this thing? And how can God be all-sustaining, all-knowledge, all-power, and yet the world's a mess? Cricket, cricket, cricket. How is God in control if that's the case? Well, how about this? I would say, yes, God is in control, but God needs you to be a partner in his control. Okay? And he, God designed it. We're going to look at that, right? So what's my part? Look at your neighbor and say, what's your part? Look at the other one and say, I'm going to find out my part today. All right. So if, if we, if everything was all God, right? Because sometimes we get this mentality that, you know, um, you know, case rah, rah, God's just going to fix it. God's just going to do it. God's in charge. God's all-knowing. God's all this. Uh, God's just, God's got this, right? Anybody ever hear that? God's got that. It's like, well, if God's got that, why isn't God getting that? Because it's still a mess, and it's been messed up. I don't know if you've watched anything media-based lately. Things are a hot mess. They're not even a regular mess anymore. They were a regular mess in the 60s. Now they're a hot mess. I mean, it's serious mess. So, um, I would say if God was in charge or if God was in control, things wouldn't look the way they look. I would suggest they might look like heaven or the garden before sin showed up, things like that. So I want to give you a couple of things now that I said that, um, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about, there is a part for us in this thing called Christianity, in God's operation in the earth, there's a part for you to do. Right? How do you have a good marriage? You're not going to ever have a good marriage unless you work on it. Right? You're not going to be blessed financially unless you 
steward your money and you give. So says the book, not me. The book says that. So if you stu- you're not going to be blessed financially. You're not going to have a good family, whatever that sounds like to you, without spending time with your children, being involved in their life, putting in the work. Right? You're never going to have a good relationship with your God, or let me say this and not offend everybody, but you're never going to get God to move in your life unless you put in the work. There's a part for you to do in this thing. Okay? Now that I said all that, number one point on your handout, God doesn't need anything. Right? God doesn't need anything. God is self-existent, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. He is eternal and infinite. He needs nothing to exist, including us. But he chooses us to partner with, right? We're going to talk about that this week. So a couple of years ago, I was just... Uh, I don't know where we were, but I was like, God, you are so big. You can, I mean, you could just see for miles. I think it was up at Michelle's grandparents live outside Yosemite, and we were just driving around, and you could just see for the mountains and the miles. And I was like, God, you are so big. So I started studying out God's bigness, right? And, and you, you can do that whole thing where you see the earth and the sun and all the earths that fit into the sun and just how big the universe is. And that's just a little thimble of how big it really is and how it just expands forever. I mean, God is everywhere in that universe and it's just huge. But I was looking and I saw in, in Job 42 verse 2 and, and I was like, God, you are so big. And this is after all of Job's shenanigans. He's been a little couple verses after this one. He's restored double time what, he, what was taken. And Job says this. He says, after all this with God, he says, I know that you can do everything. I know that you can do everything. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. How big is God? He can just do what he wants, but he chooses not to. Right? And, and we're going to get to that in a minute. I look at in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 11, Paul was re- reflecting, the Apostle Paul is reflecting on the amazing wisdom and knowledge of God. And Paul has just laid down a huge dissertation. He starts in chapter 1 and ends in chapter 11 explaining theology. And then he gets to this part and he starts talking about God and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, depth of those things. How unsearchable, that word unsearchable in the Greek, unable to fully discover or be understood by us. So you're not going to figure this out, but he's like, how unsearchable are his judgments and his his ways past finding out. Then the apostle quotes Isaiah here, and he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? If you go read this in Isaiah chapter 40, it's too much to read now, but it's a whole like page of how big, how great God is, and it's the beginning of the servant songs. There's three moving forward in Isaiah. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. Listen to this, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things. So if you think you got control of a situation, guess what? Doo-doo-doo-doo, ain't going to happen. Because it's all things. 
to whom be glory forever. I, I, I felt uh, a couple of years ago in that, that we were looking at how big God is, and I'm like, God, you are so big. You can do amazing things. Uh, I heard God whisper to my heart. He says, I need you. And this was before we had the vision for this church and moved here from California and all this stuff. I was like, God's like, I need you. And I'm like, nah, you know, of course, the self-centeredness of me is like, you, I'm talking to God, right? You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You could never use someone like me, God, because of the people I've hurt and the bad things I've done and blah, blah, blah. And God just whispered in that still small voice, and it blew my mind, I need you, right? So then I went into this dissertation trying to tell God how theologically incorrect it was to need me. How many of you know that landed pretty bad all over the place, you know? Uh, it was ugly. And I was just floating along, and I'm like, God, how can you need a person like me? And I've done my best to, to be the good guy, you know, works and trying to fix my stuff by doing works. And it just never landed well. And, and I'm like, it just fried my mind how God could use someone like me, right? And I just didn't understand. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is talking, he's at Mars Hill, and this is the dissertation in Greece where he's talking to these guys, and he's walking through the city, and he sees a temple dedicated to the unknown God, and he's like, you guys don't know God? Let me tell you who he is. Look what, it, what Paul says in Acts 17, verse 24 and 25. He says, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. God doesn't need it. He chooses us. Since he gives life to all, breath to all things... Right? And it's like God doesn't need us. He chooses us. And he doesn't need anything to exist. Or he doesn't need anything, any help with anything. God is completely self-existent, self-sufficient, and self-sustaining. And I said, God, what do you mean that you need me? Right? And I was beginning, this is after Bible college, and I was studying the scriptures, and I'm like, how can this possibly be? And he says, God said to me, I need you, and it's not voluntary. He said, I decided to co-partner with you to help my people. I fell right out of my shoes. And again, trying to explain to God how I'm not qualified to do this and help people get saved. And it's been... Uh, right after that, we got called into ministry. Right after that, we started uh, um, at FFC and Foothill Family Church in South Orange County. Right after that, we started working in ministry. We had a long way to grow, but it was a big deal that you have to accept. You have to know it was God's choice to need you, not your choice to be needed. And that's a big deal. You have to get that in your heart. God needed me. Not to exist, not to do miracles, not to do anything. He just needed me to partner with him. That's number two on your handout there. Think about that for a minute. God decided to partner or uh, cooperate, think about that word, with you. Co, two, operating together. You and your relationship is not one-sided. God needs you to help him on this earth because he's not here 
you are. So when we talk about carrying a seed, right? Our, our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. You're carrying a message. People need to hear it. And it's important because God's either going to use you or he's going to have to find somebody else. And we see this right from the beginning in Genesis, all the way through the Bible, from Genesis to maps, God used somebody to change everything, right? right? You can even see it in chapter 1 when Adam was created, right? What did God tell him to do? Tend and keep the garden. Cooperation, partnership. I will do my part, God said. Create the garden. Your part is to tend and keep it. Okay? Look at Genesis 2.19. Right from the beginning, out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. So who's doing the forming? God's doing the supernatural part, the forming, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Who's doing the calling? Adam. Who did the creating? God did. God did the supernatural part. Adam did the natural part. And whatever Adam called each living creature was its name. God developed a partnership all the way back at Adam and said, I'll make it. I'll do the supernatural part. I'll do the healing. You do the natural part, and we will, ble we will bless it together. Right? And Adam had to create, or Adam had to name the animals. He had to simply name the animals. God could have easily said, hey, Adam, come here. He could have said, see that over there? That's a camel, right? It's got one hump. The other camel behind it, that thing's named camel, and it's got two humps. Did that to confuse you? <laughs> because everybody thinks God's so hard and so confusing, right? That big thing with the hose on its face, big fat thing, that's called an elephant, right? That's it. He, God could have said that, but he decided to let Adam name the animals. That's why we have an aardvark. <laughs> the heck's an aardvark for, right? And could, that's why we have a hippopotamus. Just had a bunch of consonants laying around and put them in a row, I guess. I don't know. That's because Adam named the animals. And, and it's... Uh, and remember, all this took place before sin happened in the garden. Because once sin happened, everybody got stupid. It's like all weird stuff happened. And, and you know, the further you wait, you get, this going to make somebody mad. The further you get away from God, the dumber you get. The stupider you get. That's how we come up with theories of, ele of elevation, evolution, right? It's a theory. That means it hasn't been proven, and even the guy that came up with it said, if it's not proven in my lifetime, it's not real. Guess what? The link, still missing, still can't find it. How can that possibly be truth then? When one thing is truth in your life, right? So before sin, and I want you to think about something else, that all Adam named the animals and did the work, the co-op with God before Eve was created. I believe, my personal opinion, that was on purpose. Because Adam would have never been able to focus with a naked woman walking around. Right? 
anybody? Married people, not the youth, the married people, right? You see God talking to Adam with the animals? He'd be like, Adam, Adam, a Adam, look over here, look over here. You had one job to do yesterday. Name the animals, and you named three. The red bird, the black bird, and an anteater. And I even said, Adam, look at me, a Adam. Right? Stop looking at her, look at me. And I even told you that it was an animal that ate ants. And you named it anteater. So luckily, before the woman came, Adam did what he had to do. He had a job to do. He co-partnered with God. Does that ring a bell for anybody? I want to I encourage you today that God needs you. We, this church, needs you to cooperate and partner with God. Because Amen. the only way, everybody likes to complain what's going on in this country and talk about being far from God and stupid. Let's talk about the government for a minute, okay? Because they need help, but nobody wants to do anything. And when we start to pray and get on our face and start doing things that turn things around, stop voting for stupid people, we can make this happen, right? And I, I have no opinion about who you vote for or what you believe. You do your own thing. But if godly, uh, spirit-filled people are in control, things aren't going to look the way they look now. And it's because God needs a partner to help. Needs somebody to help him. All right? Now let's talk about this for a second. Because when there's no partnership, there can be no move of God. Look at Mark uh, chapter 6 and verse 5. We all know this story. Jesus is in his hometown. And he's hanging out. And he's, he's, you know, being rejected, being talked about, right? That might happen if you co-partner with God. You know, you might be shunned. You might be pushed around. You might be talked about. So let's talk about this for a minute. Look at verse 5. Now he, remember, son of God, right? This is theologically really complicated right here. He says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few, say few, few. sick people and healed them. Uh, that word could means to be able or to be possible. But look, the Son of Man himself could not but lay his hands on a few sick people and they could be uh, healed. It's amazing to me. Look at verse uh, 6. He said, and he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. Number one thing, if you're going to co-partner with God, you better get some belief in your game. You better know who you, who you work for. Uh, and then he went about the village's circuit teaching. He's like, I can't do anything. I want you to notice something. Because there was no belief, no partnership with God, the power of God stopped. <laughs> Nothing could happen there because there was no belief no partnership, no help from nobody to help God in that case. Not even Jesus could do it. So think about this for a second. God decided to partner with you, right? And, and, and God decided to use your belief to make things happen in the earth. And we could take that word belief and substitute the word faith in there. <clears throat> I don't like doing that because people start thinking sideways. 
It's like, oh, I don't have enough faith. How do I get more faith? How do you get more faith? It's believing, okay? <coughs> Not even the Son of God could do mighty works there because of the belief. We've got to get some belief in our game. Do you think, question for you, do you think Satan knows this? That's why the, the power of God stopped. In 1 Samuel 17, famous story. You've all heard it a hundred times before. The Goliath and the David, right? We've all heard this story before. Look at verse 4, 1 Samuel 17. It's the same story we've heard before. Champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. Uh, I want you to know something that uh, David tangled with Goliath's brothers later from Gath. And they were all giants. It's just not written, but he, he knocked him out too. Whose height was six cubits, a cubit's 18 inches, and a span is nine inches. Goliath was nine foot nine. He was a mass of humanity. That dude was some kind of big, bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. And that dude is big. Yeah, he was nine foot nine. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of bronze. 126 pounds, and it was like this fish scale armor that he was wearing. This dude was a warrior, okay? Uh, and he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, a staff of a spear was like a weaver's beam. It's like a, a beam that goes across. And a spear, and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, that's 15 pounds, and the shield bearer went with him. And I always ask the question, why did he need a shield bearer? He was a giant, right? Can you imagine being that guy? Be like, hmm. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Right? How many of you have heard that from the devil? Why are you even going to church today? Why do you even believe this stuff? Why do you even, why do you even, why'd you come out for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? It's first mistake. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Right? This is an all or nothing deal. If I kill your guy, I'm killing everybody. Again, the devil trying to get rid of Israel. Right? And he said, uh, and... Uh, we will be your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, uh, then you shall be our servants. So this is an all-or-nothing deal. I kill your guy, I'm going to kill everybody. You kill me, you can kill everybody. So we can see it's an all-or-nothing deal. What if there's a conversation going on in heaven while this conversation is going on in the earth? Satan's speaking to God, and he says, I've got you now. Because you, the way you design this cooperation partnership you need a man to fight. And it's an all or nothing thing. I've got you now. You know uh, that I know though Satan's telling God, I know you've got the power to work miracles. I know you can do supernatural things, but it has to be through a person, right? So there's not a man in Israel who's got the guts to face Goliath. This is the end of Israel on the earth, right? This conversation going on. How many of you know Satan can't see the future, but God can how many of you know Satan can't create, but God can, right? And God's looking at him, and he's thinking, he's like, I don't need a man. I got a boy, and that boy is after my heart. 
I know his heart. I know his faith. Uh, he's been trained in the wilderness with lions, tigers, tigers, and bears. He's got a slingshot. I got a boy. I don't need a man. I got a partner who's going to take apart your giant. Sure enough, guess what? God could have nailed Goliath with a lightning bolt, dropped a bucket of rocks on his head, did whatever. But the boy, the partner, he had to have a partner to knock out Goliath. What happened? Israel chased down, whacked all the Philistines, took all their stuff, their Mercedes, their microwaves, their sleeping bags, all this great stuff, flannel sheets probably because it's cold, whatever. They took all their stuff because God had a partner to dance with, right? God needed a partner. God needed Abraham. God needed Isaac. God needed Jacob. God needed Moses. God needed everybody through from Genesis to Maps. He needed a dance partner. Cannot do it by himself, right? God even needs a partner in salvation, Right? And maybe you had a, an extreme experience where God just spoke to you in a room and there was no one else there. I would guarantee you somebody planted a seed along the line. Right? Look at Romans 10, 13 out of the New Living Translation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the next verse. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Takes belief, takes faith. Right? And how can they believe in him unless they've never heard of him? Somebody had to say something. Somebody else has to be involved. Now, how can they hear of him unless someone tells him? Somebody had to tell you about Jesus, even in a simple thing called salvation that's ridiculously complex, right? Somebody had to partner with God to tell you the truth. Last one, number three. All right, move along. Have you, have you in this place sitting in that chair have you decided to need God? Have you decided to partner with God? Have you decided to cooperate with the God of the universe? Created everything from Genesis to the day Jesus comes back to get his church. Have you decided to partner with him? Because it's a pretty stinking big deal. And I'm not even talking about the getting saved part. I'm talking about every area of your life, even the corners that are dark and nasty, because God will come in there and shed some light in the dark place and clean it up. Amen? God has decided to partner with you. And I got some subpoints underneath this, right? Your dots. Number one, God is never going to do your part because he needs you. He has a part, and you have a part. Sometimes it's just saying yes, right? Sometimes, it, you know, there's a lot of us who are just praying for God to do something. Pray, God, come through when God's equipped you to do it. He's assigned you to do it. He's done everything he can do. He's never going to do your part. The real bummer is that if we sit on our hands and wait, God will find someone else, which really is lame. Because he designed and put gifts into you to do a specific thing in specific time as this. What if Esther would have said, nah, I'm not getting involved, especially in this government friction. The whole, all of Israel would have been wiped out. Right? All of Israel would have been wiped out. I heard a, um, there's an old sermon illustration that talks about a man complimenting the farmer on the beauty of his fields and flowers by saying, will you look what you and God have done to this land? 
The farmer replied, he said, you should have seen it before I did my part. How many of you know a farmer can't grow a crop unless he puts it in the field, then the, the operation of God's seed time and harvest principle kicks in and grows those plants. The farmer has to grow or plant the seed. And then God brings the increase. That's why he needs you in this season, especially now. The way things are going, I mean, I'm like, Jesus, today would be a great day to come back. Especially before the government passes this bill. It'd be great. Just annihilate everything and we'll be all good. We'll just leave it alone, right? Number two, our part, talked about this earlier, is never supernatural. Our part is never supernatural. God's super goes on our natural, right? We are never the supernatural part. Um, we can't, I don't know about you, um, I can't do supernatural things. I mean, sometimes I think just standing up in the morning is supernatural, but I, I thank God for that because we're going to get that fixed here pretty soon. And this all centers around that ugly word that you really even shouldn't say in church because people get mad about it, but it's that old word called obedience. Ugh, it hurts to even say it. The, uh, obedience, right? Think about this for a second. Did God ask Moses to part the Red Sea? No. God told Moses, find you a stick and lift it up. Find you a stick, right? I'm pretty sure any of us in here could find us a stick, right? And then you see like the movie where he's like, like this. I think, I think, honestly, I think Moses was out there with a stick and he was like, anybody looking? Because this could be embarrassing, right? He believed who God was, seen the miracles, was delivered from Egypt, but yet, what did he have to do? Hold up the stick. And God did the supernatural. He did the natural. God did the supernatural, right? Sometimes, sometimes, you don't even have to do anything in the natural. You can just agree. Because God sent Jesus to a young girl, probably a teenager, 14, 15 years old, she didn't even have to do anything. She just had to agree. Let it be to me according to your word. Maybe some of you in here, some of us, just need to be, God, I hear you speaking to my heart about singing in the band, playing in an instrument, serving in church, giving, doing something to help God in the earth. And, and you're, you're like, ah. I did this for years. When, when we were in youth ministry, we needed a guitar player in our band so bad. And God's like, learn to play the guitar and get your butt in the band. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Because playing a guitar with these fat fingers that don't move, it's just not, not for me. And it went on and went on and went on and went on. And finally, took some lessons. My pastor even gave me a guitar. He's like, yeah, I can't play that thing. You can have it. Still have it to this day. Still, you know, uh, and finally it was to the point of, I'll write already. 
I will partner with you in this musical thing, learn to play the guitar, got in a band, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. But there was a need that needed to be filled. God needed a partner, needed somebody to do something, and I just had to step up. Let it be to me according to your word. Sometimes you don't even need to pray about it because you know already when God's been speaking to your heart about something about serving, about singing, about playing something, about doing something. God has spoke to your heart already and told you to do this thing. So why do you got to pray? Just let it be to me according to your word and get involved. And trust me, I'm not trying to recruit people even though I am. I'm not. Yes, I am. Okay, I'm trying to recruit people to help you be obedient so you can be blessed. Right? It's not about the church and, and this and that or whatever. It's just about you being blessed. Right? Number three, last one. Our part is first, dot, 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 kind of. Okay? Because it's not really first. God's already done his part. Right? God has sent Jesus to the cross. Okay? Are you with me? God isn't going to do that again. Jesus has done it. He has paid his price. It's all about the understanding of Ephesians 1.3, right? It's probably not in your notes. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has, say has, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's already done his part, right? If we're playing tennis and the ball hits you over there and I hit the ball over there, Guess what you got to do? You got to hit it back. It's your turn to partner with God. He's not going to do anything else. His part's already done. Let me really blow your mind with these scriptures because some people think it this way. They shall recover and then you lay hands on them. Is that what the Bible says? God needs a partner to lay hands on the sick so they can recover. That's what it says. Here's our part. Somebody's sick. Somebody's got an ailment. Somebody's got a problem. Here's your part. In Jesus' name. That's what God needs you to do. But yet, we're like, ah, I'm not qualified. I can't do that. I don't know. What if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. You know what I do? Don't know. I'll get back to you, though. It's okay. This is what we're supposed to do. Right? This table's sick. In Jesus' name. That's it. Right? How about this one? What's loosed in, or what's bound in earth is bound in heaven? What's loosed in the earth is loosed in heaven? Right? Is that the way that works? Right? Who's doing the loosing and who's doing the, the binding? Right? It starts right here with us. It takes us to do it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That, that scripture on a Wednesday night, we are going to look at that because I'm telling you, that has more power than just words. That, that's all of heaven behind what you're saying and praying. But God needs you to do it. That's the problem. Nobody wants to be, oh, I'm not getting involved. If you don't, partic this is going to hurt. Okay, get ready. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. But if you don't participate, you're not going to get results. If you don't get involved, your life's not going to change. Or the people around you, all right? Moses had to lift up the stick, right? David had to sling the stone, 
But here first, if you really think about it, David had to say, hey, you want to go, bro? I'll go. I'm coming. Don't make me come down. Okay, I'm coming down there. And he went down there. And then he slung the stone. He got involved because that guy that with the big mouth was defaming his God. And he's like, who is this guy? Why are we standing? Let's go get him. Let's go thump him upside his head. Giant head, but we can take him. Right? Why? Because the God of heaven, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is with us. There is nothing you can't do when the God of heaven is behind you. You'll never have a good marriage unless you work on it. You're never going to be blessed financially unless you steward and give. You're never going to have a good family unless you get involved. God is everything, but we need to partner and cooperate with him. None of these attributes that we spent five weeks talking about can be released in your life until you get involved, until you decide to decide, right? In Romans 5, basic theology 101, and, and let me ask you this, does it seem fair that because Adam sinned, all the world was lost, right? Is that fair? You're going to say, well, yeah, it's fair because you're sitting in church and you remember the Ananias and Sapphira story. But when you get in the car and you're driving home, you're probably be like, yeah, that, that's totally not fair. Why is it his fault, right? But listen, all the world was condemned because of one man that God created, man, sin, right? It took a man to come and reverse that sin. It took a man, blood type G, in the flesh, man, to come and change it. And, and sometimes stuff like that, you just don't understand, right? And, and it's okay. You don't understand because you don't understand, right? And it's okay to go, God, I just don't get this. Can you help me? Can you show me, right? It took a man that lost it, and it took a man to get it all back. God needed a man. Right? Now back to the Goliath story. Remember, he said this. He said, choose a man that they may come down and fight me, with me. If he defeats me, he and your servants uh, will be lost. And your, your, if I defeat him, you will be my servants. Right? Everything on the line here. No, no goofing around. This is for everything. Right? So God, and here's Satan and, and God talking in heaven. It's like, I got Adam to blow it. All the world is mine. What are you going to do? You need a man, which you don't have, to come and redeem the planet. God would have looked at him and he would have said, I'll just send Jesus. And Satan would have went, whoa, ho, ho, no, you didn't not, Shaniqua. You can't send him. You can't send him. He's not a man. God would have looked him right in the face because he's confident in the creation that he made and said, we'll just make him one. I got a young girl on the earth whose heart is willing to partner with me, and I will send him through her to the earth to redeem all mankind. Thank God, Mary said, let it be unto you, Lord, because if she didn't, we'd all be looking for a Messiah right now. Be like, where is he? He should be here. Thank God Mary partnered with God. Thank God the Apostle Paul partnered with God. 
Thank God Moses lifted up that stick. Right? Thank God David knew who he was and was after God's heart. Thank God Angie partnered with God. Thank God Dominic decided to partner with God. And Lou and everybody else in here. Thank God you decided to partner with God because now you can change the world because you decided to partner with God. Just like everybody in the Bible, God needs you. So let me, let me throw this at you. Last thing, right? We're done. What has God, what's the biggest need you have in your life right now? Just meditate for 32 and a half seconds, right? What's the biggest need you have? What's the biggest miracle you need in your life right now, right? And once that comes up, because it'll come up from in your heart, I want you to ask God, I want you to ask God, what's my part? Because you have a part. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.